Well, uh, the signs are for Christmas. Um, how many of you have been out to Largo Park to see the lights? Anybody do that? Tradition? I know the Van Dynes do that, a couple other folks. Uh, my family, I haven't been out there yet, but I know that uh, Patty and Kimberly and the kids have been. And one of the things that, that lets us know that we're getting close to Christmas is they like that big Christmas tree. So that big tree is lit. Another reason we know it's Christmas time, uh, whose, whose neighborhoods are getting flooded with delivery trucks? Yeah? A couple of you? Yeah? Okay, Rodney's like, yeah, huh. Kathy's been ordering a lot. So, uh, so yeah, delivery trucks are coming in, and, and, and we, we see that happening too. We see lights on houses. We see lots of things happening. And here's, here's one plug. So on Christmas Day, it's, it's all day long, you can watch the movie of Ralphie, okay, in search of his Red Rider, Red Rider say that fast, Red Rider BB gun. And uh, so, so it's going to be on Christmas Day all day, reruns, you get to watch it. But it, it truly is a time of the season. I was Googling around, and I wanted to look at some funny things because, I, I don't know, every now and then we need something funny. I, I, I can't tell funny stories, so I have to go find something funny, right? Those of you all are going like, yes, that's true, Bob. You don't tell funny stories. But here's a couple of things. So how do we know that uh, what people are saying this Christmas? Here's one right here. Dear Santa, I've been good all year, okay, most of the time. Uh, once in a while, ah, forget it, I'll buy my own stuff, okay? Here's a second one. Christmas calories don't count. Who's happy about that? Woo! Right, yeah. <laughs> Here's a third one. Friends don't give friends fruitcake. You can take that one however you want to. I love this last one. To anyone who is Christmas shopping for me, I wear size 100 in dollar bills. So there you go. That's what people are saying this Christmas that seems to be trending that's out there. Well, the Christmas season also points out to some significant things for us. Um, and, and at times, if we're not careful, and we can kind of see in 2020, uh, this year has, tried to, has really drawn us away from some of those important words. The fact is we like these candles of peace, hope, joy, and love. We have seen this year that if we're not careful, that message of joy, that message of hope, that message of love can, can get lost in, in very quickly. Sadly, what we find out is the world in which we live remains in con conflict. Over the last 5,600 years, there's been over 15,000 wars that the world has been engaged with in some way. Um, I did a little research and found out just actually today, there are 40 wars happening out throughout the world. And those are just the wars that we're aware of. So we see that we live in a world that's in conflict, and it's only befitting that today as we light this fourth candle, the candle of peace, that that's the, that's the attribute, that's not just the word, that is, that is the direction that we want to go, that we want to search for and move into peace. But here, here's the question, I mean, what, what would the world look like if it was at peace? You know, Isaiah says that that time will come that, that they'll beat the uh, swords into plowshares, that the lion will lay down with the lamb, and, and that there will be peace that, that will happen all throughout history. And if you think about that, uh, this is a season today in the midst of the wars and everything we see going on, that we are still a people that are searching for peace. In fact, we want to hope in peace. We want to hope that in the end, that hope actually wins, that, that we don't live in a defeated world, but that the world in which we live can lead to ultimate peace. If I were to ask you this Christmas, what, what is it that you want the most when it comes to peace? What would you tell me? Those of you that are live streaming, take a second and chat that out. What, what would you want the most in peace this Christmas season? Chat that out. Let our folks uh, engage with you. Shout it out if you're at home. In the building, what do you want most for peace this year? Just shout it out. Uh, nobody wants peace. Did I catch, was that a trick question? It's not a trick question. Do you want peace with your ex-spouse? 
Do you want, you want peace with your, with your spouse? Do you want peace with your children? Do, do you want peace in, in, in life in general? Is, is life been so hectic that the pace of what's happening, the pace is literally killing you? Do you want, do you want peace with that? Um, do, you, do you want um, peace of mind and peace of heart? You know, Jesus said, come to me, uh, the, all who are heavy with burden, and I will give you peace and I will give you rest. And he's not just talking about peace like they talked about in the hippie era of, you know, peace and love. He's, he's talking about peace and rest of your soul. And so these are the kinds of things that we want to see. So, so this fourth Sunday of Advent, <coughs> peace and hope together are the attribute in which we are seeking. And I truly believe that sometimes in the absence of peace, I believe that that's when God crescendos, that's a musical term, God crescendos this power of letting us know that God still is supreme in all these things. Well, I want to share with you a, a story that we're going to look at this morning, a, a life of a person who, who finds a situation happening in their life. They have all the hopes and dreams that, that their life will be full of peace, that, that, that the hopes that they have will just like endure forever, and all of a sudden some bad news comes, and it derails the whole process. So what do you do when you are very hopeful in life, when you, when you want to have a life of peace, when you have a life of hope, and something goes south? Listen to the story. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, and before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. So, so we don't, Joseph has not had the visit from the angel yet. This is really important. He has not had the visit from the angel yet where the angel says, you know, this is what's happening. He confirms what Mary's going to tell him. So right now he's in the dark. So he, he does not know this is happening. He just knows that his wife is pregnant. So Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so that Mary would not be disgraced. You know, think about it for a second. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a perplexing situation. You know, Joseph has all of his hopes and dreams. If you've ever been in a relationship, if you've been in a relationship that you want it to go long-term, like this is a forever commitment, think about that for a second. And Joseph's hopes and dreams, and Mary's hopes and dreams, are, are embedded in this relationship, but something happens. In the ancient world, they had what are called arranged marriages. Um, we don't do that a lot in the world today. There are some countries that still do that. Um, I'm, you know, I, I feel like mine was arranged because I got the perfect woman, you know, and I was happy about that. And, and she's probably going like, if it was arranged and I got you, I don't know about that. But, but you know, what we find out is, is that in the ancient world, um, this was an arranged thing. It was called a betrothal period. So, so families kind of looked around and saw that this family offered this and they had this and we have this and they have that. But you know what? If we become one family together, if our kids get married and, and they get married when they're older, um, then, then look what we can do together. And that's what a betrothal was. So, so basically, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They were put together to be married at the perfect time or the appropriate time when they were at a certain age and those vows could be taken. Now, there's a lot of transactions that happen during the betrothal period. At that particular time, the father of the groom-to-be would give a, uh, a dowry. The, the term is called a mohar. He'd give a dowry or a mohar to the bride's parents. Why? Well, because the father of the bride was losing a worker. He was losing somebody from the household. And, and she would now be a blessing to the father of the groom. So there would be this void for the family of the father of the bride. So the groom's family would have to give a have to give a, a dowry, a gift, a mohar. And, and scholars show that that, that that value of that gift in the ancient world would probably have been equivalent to purchasing a one-bedroom home in, in Palestine. 
So you can imagine that, that the father of the groom spent their entire lifetime saving up for this mohar that they could give. And the only way that the mohar would no longer be attractive or would no longer be payable in this case would be if the woman was found to be um, uh, with another man and not the one she's betrothed with. So we need to remember that in the story too. The second transaction that happened was that the, that the groom's family also gave a prize to the bride. And what that did was that protected her because what it said was in the ancient world, women were, were not seen as um, level with men. It was a patriarchal society. They were seen as property. And in that instant, what would happen is, is that the woman would receive also a secondary gift. And that gift was to be held in trust for her in case her betrothed, the man, in case the betrothed died during their period before they were married. So if he died before they were married, then she would have something to live on and to take care of herself. And at that time, the, the mohar would then also be transacted for. So you can see that there's a lot that's happening here. So culturally, the woman and the man were not allowed to be together. They couldn't have relations together. They were to stay in their father's houses and they were to just live separate lives, but yet they were connected. They were to be married one day. And it was a taboo in a sense that, that the woman who's betrothed to the man could not visit her betrothed husband-to-be alone. She would have to come with an escort and that escort would have to bring her there. And that's kind of where this story brings us this morning. So Mary comes to Joseph, and she says to him, I'm pregnant, and the, ch the child is not yours. And you can't even imagine what was going on in, in Joseph's mind at this particular time. Now Joseph looks at her, he believes she, she, her to be pregnant because he can see signs of that, but he doesn't believe what she's telling him. She says, it's not a man that has, has impregnated me, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit. And Joseph really struggles with this, and he's not really sure. And I find this interesting that the scriptures call Joseph to be a righteous man. And yet, in the very beginning of the story of the birth of Jesus, of the conception of Jesus, we find that he's the first doubter, that he's the person who doubts that this could actually be the case. But I, I find hope in this story. And, and let me tell you where I find hope. I find hope in the story because as Joseph is struggling with this, as he's wondering and trying to think this through, um, it reminds me of those times when, when life's not peaceful on my end. Maybe, maybe it reminds you when life's not peaceful on your end, that in the midst of us not understanding things, that, that maybe God has a greater plan. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You see, as modern-day believers, we're told to believe the writings of the Scriptures. We're told that every portion of Scripture is to be truth, that it is God's story of salvation for all of us. And we read that in the scriptures. We look specifically at the life of Jesus from the birth in, in Matthew and in Luke, and we take a look at Jesus's life through the gospels. And we say for over 2,000 years, we're supposed to believe everything that's been said in that as modern day believers. And here's Joseph looking Mary eyeball to eyeball, and he's going like, I don't believe you. This can't be true. There's no truth to this. What am I supposed to do? And that's where I look at this and say, you know what? That's what gives you and me permission. That when we don't understand something, when there's still a mystery of God, when there's a part of our faith or there's a situation that we're just not sure how God is acting, it's okay to say, God, I don't understand. It's okay to take a step back and say, all right, I'm not real clear about where this is going. What am I supposed to do? And allow God to speak into that. I wanna hit the pause button for a second because I think this is really important. 
we got to ask ourselves right now, where are we in this season of Christmas? Where is it in my life today that I need peace? Where, what, what news have I received? What action has happened? What has come my way that has totally discombobulated everything that I thought I believed in? Only to have to trust in God. Only to have to, to, to wait on a miracle. Only to have to say, God, I don't understand, but I see what's coming here. And this, this is the life of Joseph. Joseph had a plan. He wanted to get married. He wanted to fulfill the betrothal. He, he wanted to start a family. He wanted to start a life. And all of a sudden, Mary and Elizabeth visit him. And Mary gives him the news. And Elizabeth corroborates what's happening. Has 2020 been that kind of year for you? Have you been just kind of like, did you start the year off with, with like resolutions, with goals? Did you start the year off saying, you know, this year I'm going to accomplish this and, and we're going to do this together and, and we're going to be as free as we can ever imagine only to have happen what's happened. So we begin a year wondering and thinking the greatest intentions, the greatest plans only to find that time comes when we don't live in peace, when that which we hope has become hopeless. Joseph is hurt. He feels betrayed. He's angry. He's upset. I mean, you know, don't, don't whitewash that at all in this story. He's not a happy man. Can you imagine if the person that you loved, if the person that you had invested your life, if the person that, that you entrusted that you were going to build a life with came and said to you, I'm pregnant. It's not by you. It's by another, another thing. Can you imagine what would be going through your mind at that time? And yet what we see is God is at work in the life of Joseph, and God is moving him in a direction. But my experience is, is that we, we normally don't respond in this way. My experience is when someone hurts us, um, we have this desire to want to try to hurt them back. In fact, that gives uh, credibility to the, to the statement, hurt people, hurt people. And instead of living into it and seeing something else, we want to get back. But yet Joseph finds himself in an interesting situation. Joseph has some options. Mary says to him, I'm pregnant, it's not yours. It's the Holy Spirit. He's going, I don't know what that means, and I don't know if I believe you. And, and he pulls himself away, and he goes away so probably he can think about it, so he can process it. And Joseph's got some choices. The one thing he can do is he can take it to the, um, to the priest and, and say, hey, here's what's happened. She's, she's been with someone else. She's pregnant. And the law would have said stone her. That was one option. Another option he could have done was, was, was discredited her in public and told the world what she had done. That was another option. But Joseph decides to take a different route. He decides to divorce Mary quietly. Now, what does that mean? What it means is that the law said that a man could basically say he wants a divorce because he's not happy with the experience. Now figure that out. So obviously she's pregnant, and he can say, I want to divorce her quietly because, well, it just didn't do a whole lot for me. And that's what the law allowed. So, so he could actually divorce her quietly. I'm not happy with her. And the marriage would have been dissolved. But think about this. In a couple of weeks, Mary is becoming more and more pregnant. 
She's uh, around Joseph. Joseph sees he's contemplating about how to, who, to, how to divorce her, how to move away, how to cast her aside quietly. And all of a sudden, Mary is publicly pregnant and people are looking at that. And all the, all the townspeople know is, is that they're betrothed. And now all of a sudden, think about the scandal. <gasps> Guess what they did before they got married? We probably don't think about that at all today. But in the society, they did. And, and, and now all of a sudden, there would have been shame, and there would have been um, lots of things bearing down upon Mary and Joseph. His name would have, been, um, would have been trashed. Her name would have been trashed. And the fact that he is deciding that he is going to let her go quietly, what he's really saying is, I'm going to take the fall. He says, I'm going to make my mind up that I'm not going to discredit Mary. I'm not going to say anything to have her stoned. I'm merely going to just say, it didn't work out. It wasn't that good. I'm, I'm getting out of this relationship. Joseph was going to take the fall. And I find it interesting that, that before the angel visits him, Joseph is already moving in that direction. So maybe there's some truth to the fact that it says that Joseph was a righteous man. And obviously, we know as we read further into this story, the Holy Spirit or the angel comes and says that God has blessed Mary. She's going to give birth to the Christ child. It's going to be your son. His name is Jesus. He's going to be Emmanuel. God's going to save his people. And Joseph understands the role in a greater way. But we haven't gotten to that point yet in the story. And yet, he's already thinking about what can I do to protect Mary through this? Joseph's putting himself in the place. He's going to take the fall. You see, by dismissing her quietly, by saying it just didn't work out, what that did was it protected the mohar. It allowed Mary to keep that money. It protected the dowry, so to speak. It protected that other cash that she was given. By law, she would not have to give that back. And Joseph knew that, that once the baby came, that Mary would need the funds. So by doing it this way, he was blessing her. And he was giving her a new start. And it would allow Mary to find someone else and start a new life and live it with peace. What do you call somebody who does that? I mean, what terms do we use for somebody who's willing to take the hit, take the fall to protect someone else? We call it grace. We call it mercy. In this instance, we might even call it forgiveness as he realizes that this is what God had intended for him to do and that he moves forward in this relationship. But we understand in the story that after the angel appears, Joseph does not divorce Mary, but he fulfills what God has called him to do. You know, this fourth Sunday of Advent, we, we talk about peace, and you know, this whole Joseph story, what I learned from that is that this was not a peaceful event. His life was turned cattywampus. It wasn't something that he wanted at all. And yet through this, through this, God brings peace. Through this, God brings hope. And what that says to me is, is that, that, that as I walk this 2020 here with you, as we walk this together, as we journey out as believers and, and even non-believers who are out there, as we journey out as children of God, we're all children of God, whether we understand God loves us, whether we understand Jesus went to the cross, we are still children of God because God created us in God's image. What it says, though, is, is that God wants us to have peace. 
And it says that no matter what has come our way in 2020, we need to remember this resounding truth, that God remains sovereign, God remains on the throne, God remains a God of hope, God is a God of peace and love and joy. God is God to all. And the one thing we cannot do is let 2020 tell us any differently. Even in a year like this, hope will always win. And that comes in Jesus Christ.